Hello, this is Nicholas Briggs, and you're listening to the Sirens of Audio. G'day audiophiles, you are listening to the Sirens of Audio, my name is Dwayne and uh, it is my great pleasure to have a couple of cohorts with me this week. Uh, first of all, uh, I want to introduce someone who could be coming on, I hope, uh, more regularly, that's Philip, g'day Philip. G'day Dwayne, great to be here. Thanks very much for coming on and from the Something Who podcast, we've got uh, Richard all the way from sunny, sweltering UK, how are you? <laughs> Yeah, fine, thanks. Yeah, it's um, it's nice that we finally hit summer, um, and you know, you know, in the UK, summer is always a sort of, um, you know, it's more like your winter than anything else. But but yeah, we're we're, we're getting there, and uh, yeah, it's reasonably nice today. Uh, very good. Tell us a bit about um, about something. Who I I've only recently got into your podcast. And I really really like it. I like the banter between you, Paul, and Giles in particular. You've got one other guy, haven't you? I, I can't remember his name. Um, yeah, Simon, um, from time to time, and, and we have other guests too, but yeah, those are the, the main four. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed the, the episode you did recently with um, with Chris Chapman um, on his um, Blu-ray extras. I thought that was fantastic, and yeah, always always good stuff. How did, how did your podcast start? It was originally something else, and it kind of morphed into something who, is that right? Yeah, so what happened was, uh, I mean, a wee while ago now, um, I... St- I mean, I've, I've I've been sort of dark in fa- in fandom for a long time. I, I started watching Doctor Who as a as a boy in the mid seventies, and I had a, a brief flowering in the mid eighties. Uh, you know, wrote a couple of things for fanzines, went to a few conventions, and then you know that was it. Um, and when the missing episodes Phil Morris thing uh, exploded in twenty thirteen, that was I guess my cue to get a little bit more involved, and I started going on as everyone did on forums and you know trying to work out just what was going on and through the forums I met a bunch of people because I mean I guess I've been a solitary Doctor Who fan for a very long time I mean uh, you know I've, I've read fanzines and magazines and and so on but uh, uh, apart from one person at school one person at university and you know the odd person here and there you know my, my, I haven't really had um, anyone to talk to about Doctor Who over the years so um, joining up with this bunch of people on forums uh, it's sort of gave, gave me a bit of an outlet. Anyway, one of them was um, was Tim, who, who was also known as uh, Eric the Harferby on the Gallifrey Base Forum. And uh, he decided to start a podcast and he invited me to, to take part in it um, called The Grumpcast. And we did about 10 of those, uh, but he decided to bring that to, a, to an end. And I kind of got the bug 
Um, and I then started something which we called 13 Cast with Paul and with Giles to cover the first series of uh, Jodie Whittaker, which we did, and, and, and we enjoyed doing that. But clearly, you know, when we reviewed the, those stories, that came to a natural close. Um, and but we we still wanted to do something, so we came up with this idea for something who, uh, and the idea was you've got something from the old series, something from the new series, um, and so it's it's sort of like a riff on that something something old something new so something old something new something borrowed typically i i would do a sketch that was uses some of the dialogue from one of the stories that we're looking at but takes it in a slightly different place and then that makes something who so we've done a, f- a fair few of those ones uh, and then the um the university of central lancashire um the Mission to the Unknown remake came out, and we all liked that. And uh, Andrew Ireland got in touch, having heard the the thing that we did, and he and, and uh, he seemed quite prepared to uh, have a um, a go and come on the podcast. So I so I did a chat with him, and that worked out quite well. And so since then, I, you know, to to augment the the usual ones, I've done a few chats with various people who've who've uh, responded to my uh, to my call, and and Chris was one of those. Um, and we've also spoken with Toby um, Toby Haydoke and Jeremy Bentham, who was a, a name I was familiar with from you know years and years ago in fandom. But Giles knew knows him quite well, so he got me in touch with him. Um, so yeah, it's, it's it's been fun to do those ones as well. Yeah, I really enjoyed the Jeremy Bentham one. Actually, I only listened to that in the last couple of weeks, um, mm. and I was very surprised to to hear that that was the first time he'd ever done a, something like a podcast. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. Uh, um, I mean, I think he might have possibly been interviewed by someone in a, you know, at a convention, and and uh, you know, might have been bunged out. But I mean, I, I, I did a search, and I couldn't find any instance of him being on a podcast. And he certainly thought it was the first time he for him. So, so yeah, that was that was surprising considering how long he's been in in fandom. So it was nice to 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 get a chance to delve into his memories and and um, yeah, particularly I, I suppose for for younger fans for whom the name doesn't really mean very much to to uh, to, to bring that bit, bit of history back for them. So, what's your um, uh, history, shall we say, as far as Big Finish goes? Are you uh, have you been listening right from the beginning? Is it something you got into uh, midway through, or what's the story with that? Almost the beginning. So uh, I, I, um, I think when I came across Big Finish, there were about half a dozen of them out. Um, so it would have been probably either late 99, early 2000, something like that. And so I, I dipped my toe in the water. I, I think I listened to um, The Sirens of Time and one other, probably an early Davison one. And... Uh, you know, I enjoyed both of those well enough that I kept coming back, and then I took out a subscription, and I was I was with them pretty solidly, I'd say, for about uh, ten or fifteen years. Um, in the last few, I mean, I've, I've kind of lost contact a bit with the monthly range. I'm still uh, getting quite a lot of box sets, um, but I'm a little bit behind in my listening of those as well. But yeah, I mean, I've I've I've, I've listened to more big finish than you know is probably healthy for a person but uh, uh you know and 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 generally I've, I've enjoyed them and what about you philip what's uh what's your history 
as regards Big Finish? So as Big Finish, I started from the very beginning. So with the Doctor Who Club of Australia, they started selling the audios 20 years ago. And Signs of Time was my first audio. And I have had everything since then. So I get it all, basically. There's a couple of series I, I'm not into or haven't got. But I just started off with just playing, playing just to get the Doctor Who. But then they put the Benny spin-off episode on. And so I've now bought all the Benny. And yeah, so bit by bit, it's just bankrupted me slowly, bit by bit. <laughs> do you still get all the hard uh, hard copy CDs or do you just go download now? I, I tend to go download myself because I'm out of space and postage is just <laughs> a bit ridiculous to Australia. Yeah, so I, mean, I, I started off just getting them through the Doctor Who Club and then I worked out I could actually get them cheaper by getting them sent. So I actually started doing the buying them bulk and getting them sent over. Um, but ran out of space and the cost of the postage. And it was a hard, hard decision to make to start going download. And it hurt. But yes. I went download probably five, six years ago. And now I can't imagine. I never pull out a CD anymore. So they, I had a special cupboard made. They all sit in there, never get touched, never get seen. I think I'm just going to have a quick look. My last, my last hard copy monthly was uh, 255 so I'm going to be 20 shy of my complete collection. That's very, very irritating. Very you irritating. You the last 20, I suspect. I think I might. I think I might. Yeah. <laughs> Just to get that so, complete. So I, I had to dig in a cardboard box under the bed to find uh, my uh, version of Neverland um, for, for this particular one. So, uh, But yeah, I've, I've, I've got a fair few, but I think I went download almost as soon as they started offering that. Let's go into a, a trailer for the episode that we're going to talk about today. Doctor Who. Neverland. <sighs> Doctor, of all the countless billions of people in the whole of space and time, why did it have to be you? October the 5th, 1930. Airship R101 crashes in France. Humanian era, Earth. January the 30th, 1933, Adolf Hitler appointed Chancellor of Germany. Humanian era. It has been a time beyond measure. Here, alone in the cold, adrift and aloof from my people, my home, once my name was healed and feared in equal measure by friends and enemies alike. Surely the Time Lord won't harm you, of all people. On past form, I wouldn't like to bet on that. Am I to assume that the Agency has located the Doctor? Madam President. Where is he? Drifting in the Acteon Galaxy. Doubtless the Doctor will be twisting like a slithery nematode, but he shan't be wriggling off this hook this time. I died. That's right, isn't it, Doctor? Burned in the wreck of an airship. Born on the day the Titanic sank, died on the R101. Poor, tragic little Charlotte Pollard. Her life snuffed out before it had even begun. That's how it is, isn't it, Doctor? I am the Lord Rassilon. At last, my children, you have returned to me. Okay, Richard, that was Neverland. That's your pick uh, for this episode. Why Neverland? 
so I picked that one because it's the it's the culmination of a a two series run early in the two thousands for um, Paul McGann's Eighth Doctor in Big Finish, and I guess the reason that I picked it was you know both because I enjoyed the story but also because for me that was um, you know an important time with Big Finish in that. For most of the uh, of the other doctors, their stories, you know, although there've been some good ones, all of the other um, doctors that they'd done, they were sort of filling in the, the the past history. But but for these ones, this was big finish actually taking the story of Doctor Who and making it its own. And it really was at that point in the early two thousands, it was the new show as far as I was concerned. Um, and and I liked the way that they were taking it. Uh, I, 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 both of these. Um, series, but in particular, this this second series of which uh, Neverland is the end, was um, you know was something that that I, that I really enjoyed listening to, and I thought it was it was an interesting and different new angle for the story, and we'll, we'll maybe get into some of that later. But um, but yeah, so so I wanted to talk about uh, about Big Finish and, and about the um, the the time when they were. I suppose new Doctor Who. Yeah, it was a it was a pretty exciting time that uh, that first couple of seasons of of McGann. It was because this was recorded in two thousand and one, mm. so it was a long time before any new Doctor Who would appear on TV. Um, what where was your head at, head at with regards to these seasons of McGann's at the time, Philip? I adored them. Um, the second season in particular, it is just astounding how good the quality of the whole run is. Mm. Um, I think every single story is slightly different. It all has a slightly different tone, but it's the forerunner to what the new series was going to be because you have an amazingly strong character in Charlie who is an equal with mm-hmm. the Doctor. It's it's very much the two of them are together um, as equal leads. And you have this slight unfolding the story in every sh- episode. And so it just builds to a climax. And a bit like the new series, I'm not sure the climax ever quite pays off as good as the lead-up to it is. But in terms of each individual story, in, in the second series is astounding, and then the, the power in Neverland, and where it takes you and pushes you for the mm. third season, it's a very clever story. I guess Neverland is the culmination of, of what was started in Storm Warning 10 mm. stories earlier. So it was like a two-season yeah, yeah. arc, basically, that we were, that we were waiting for the, for the culmination of bit like the timeless child i suppose that was two seasons but um i think we were paid off a little better than uh than we than we were in timeless children um just in terms of its the the way it was all Mm. pulled together and it was an absolutely massive massive story alan barnes if you go through the history of big finish alan barnes is has a has a reputation i think as far as i'm concerned for doing majorly complex complex stories Sometimes they pay off, sometimes not so much. They're a little bit harder to follow. In this case, I think this is one of his best. Would you agree with that? He does the blockbusters, and I think that's what he's famous for, for doing the big blockbuster numbers. This is only his second story for Big Finish. Um, So the first one being Storm Warning, which introduced Charlie, and then this one where he takes Charlie up again and and takes her and the Doctor to the new plane. So he, he, he knows the characters well, and I think you're right. I think what he puts into this story it's it's fairly linear in terms of storytelling um but after we've had things like the um darkness story from nick briggs we needed something a mm. bit more linear 
um, to, to, to keep us. Uh, it's a great storytelling, but the, the elements he pulls in, bringing back Vansel, who's been in two previous stories, bringing back Romana, it's, it's the blockbuster. And he, and he not only does wrap up the two seasons brilliantly, he wraps up other Doctors and other things that Big Finish has already been doing. And this is only release number 33. So you can see Big Finish is already now dipping into its own heritage to make their stories better. Mm. Yeah, I think that that first that first 50 was a pretty epic uh, series of, of stories under under the producer producer I can't even say it under under Gary Russell. Um, <laughs> yes, I was going to say producership. That's not really a word, is it? Um, it is now. <laughs> yeah, it's a word now. It's a word now. But yeah, there was there was stacks and stacks of stuff in the first two minutes, like all the references to um, Cult of Morbius. You've got the Doomsday Weapon. Um, you've got Deadly Assassin references. You've got um, um, uh, you've got references to the Apocalypse element. Uh, because I don't know if you got there was never really a, an explanation as to as to how Romana became president, and there still never has been, has there? How she got no, out that's of these based place? on the, a bit, the new adventure books. Okay, mm. which I never really followed. So no, there I is actually read, I never read the books, but I know from the books. But yes, I mean he's also got in um, he's got Tursurus, which is from the the, the spoof that um, Stephen Moffat did on the Curse of Edward Death. He's got the Dalek Master Plan. Um, and he also mentions comics and other adventure, other new adventure books. So they throw in everything for the fan of, no matter what you're a fan of, there's a mention of a planet or a time period for this story. I, I can't remember, but I, I think the remake of Sharda had been done prior to this. Am I, is that right? Or was that done after? I can't remember, but that was one of three times, I think, that um, the Eighth Doctor was with, um, was with Romana as the president of Gallifrey. Mm. Um, what, what do you think of, of those two um, together on audio, Richard? Yeah, I, I, I like that. I mean, I mean, particularly there's a, there's a nice scene in the, in the second um, uh, part of this where they, they've got that sort of under the, the console or, or something like that. They're, they're, they're sort of pretending that they're fixing something, but they're having a chat that, that, that works rather nicely. Um, I mean, I, I think you know we, we, what we've seen across the big Finnish run is that Paul McGann seems to work pretty well with almost anyone. But uh, I mean, they you know in this one, I think both his interaction with Romana and with um, Charlie, uh, I think both of those are, are, are very good. Um, and and you know the the acting I think is excellent. Yeah, I was watching uh, in this last fortnight because I was. I was following someone else's podcast and they were reviewing uh, Stolen Stolen Earth and what's the other one called? Mm -hmm. What's the other, what's the what's the last one called? Can't remember. The Stolen Earth uh, finale. And um, that big romance between Rose and the Doctor. It seemed like mm -hmm. it was it was very new, but it it had it had been done but it had been done in quite a different way uh, between the yeah. eighth Doctor and Charlie. And I think in a for me personally, in a more satisfying way. What was your opinion, Philip, on the on the on the romance kind of aspect between the Eighth Doctor and Charlie, or was it a romance? Well, it's interesting. It caused a stir at the time, and it, I still think it's the only time the Doctor has still said "I love you" to a companion. Yeah, yeah. Because he actually says to Charlie, "I love you," and he and they say because at that point Charlie's basically begging the, the Doctor to kill her, 
and saying, if you, you know, if I die, everything gets made right. You have to end it for me. And I don't think I don't actually do think it's a romance. There is obviously love there. There's a concern there. Um, I know it caused a huge controversy with many many fans when it came out and how dare the doctors say. Though that being said, you do want to listen to Scherzo because Scherzo is a, a fascinating examination of coupling and a relationship. So it's hard to know. Is the Doctor capable of love romantically? Um, I mean, the next thing that Tane do sort of try with Rose, but once again, he never says it with Rose. It's a, yeah, I don't know. What do other people think? Yeah, I, I, so, 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 so I, so I like it. I mean, I, I think, I think I see it as, as certainly a more platonic relationship than than the Rose and Tenth Doctor one. But it's not entirely that. I mean, there, there, there's something in there as well. There's a spark, but I, but I don't think it's. I don't think it's you know quite the same as as the uh, as the Rose and Tenth Doctor one, but um, but yeah no I, I I was I was up for that for for the Doctor saying that he loved Charlie for Charlie saying that it, that uh, that she loved him because it it kind of was how it had come across in the previous nine stories and it seemed like the culmination of of a relationship that's never quite the same again, um, but but uh, you know in those two series, the the two of them. They they have a great enthusiasm for life and for adventure, and they seem to 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 come off each other quite well, uh, you know, throughout that. And 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 this seems like it's been earned. Yes, I agree. It's interesting. They both prove their love through the willingness of self sacrifice, and ultimately, yeah. out of the doctor does sacrifice his life for Charlie, and so it's it's a demonstrated love. So I guess that really is love, isn't it? Okay. So, what about some of the other concepts that were that were brought in? Um, we'd we'd been to Gallifrey a couple of times in Big Finish previously, but was this the first time we'd seen something like battle Tardises coming into the into the fore, and uh, the the time space um, event opening up in Charlie and being able to travel through it? What did you think of those concepts within the story? It was interesting. I listened to the whole story again today just to refresh myself, and I had forgotten the Battle Tardises being there and that whole chase scene. It was actually very dynamic and exciting. So I think it actually may be the first time Battle Tardises get used. In some ways, I feel they're a bit overused now because with the War Doctor series, everything's a Battle Tardis. Um, But yeah, I think you're right. It's the first time they were used. It it, it was a great kickoff. Um, I think what what I enjoyed most about the whole intro um, I think Nick Briggs's music in the beginning is particularly good with all the organ music, and you just know it's Gallifrey by the organ starting up. So I think Nick's done an amazing job with the music throughout, and then it becomes a very subtle music throughout the whole series um, for the rest of the story. But the opening in terms of what's going on with the time slippage, I guess we've got clues that something's wrong with Charlie earlier on, I guess the end of the the um, the Narman story where Charlie appears and kills the two main characters, which is just the most tragic end to that story. Two characters that you actually love and adore, and suddenly Charlie's wiping them out. So we knew things were going to happen. And so it needs to start big, so you know we're heading into a big realm here. And this is a this is big storytelling. Did, did this follow on from the time of the Daleks? Yes. Yep. And it's time of the Daleks is still a story I don't quite comprehend. Uh, I remember not comprehending it, and I haven't been back to listen to it for a long time. It's one that I skip in that season. Um, what, do you, what are your thoughts on that, Richard? I'd say 
similarly. I mean, I, I haven't I haven't re-listened to it in, in a while. I mean, I think I, I think it, it it kind of made in, enough sense um, as I was listening to it, but but I also kind of felt like probably I could have got more out of it if if I you know could have been bothered to go back and and sort of really analyze it in depth. But that that's not really um, you know what I've what I've been doing with 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 big finish plays. I mean, they, they've tended to be things that I listened to in the car or. Or, or while I was doing something else, you know, for 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 fun. So yeah, I I, I um uh, I, I you know I've, I've tended tended to go for the for, for something that that um that I find is diverting and so on. I mean, I, I I do love a complex story, and I think, but I think if it if it comes across well enough in in one listening, then I think that's the ideal. I think if you have to d- delve into it repeated listenings, then although that may be very clever, I think it's probably missed its point. And back in the days when there were only 33 big finish CDs, we could go back and listen over and over again. Yeah, yeah. But now we're trying to keep up with all the new releases. It's <laughs> hard to re-listen to things. We just don't have the time to to invest that we're used to, I don't think. Um, what about um, the use of um, the CIA? Going? This is going right back to the very first big finish story um, Van, with Van Cell, coordinator Van Cell. Um, and it's his final appearance as well in... Um, in the big Finnish universe, what are your thoughts on the direction of the of the CIA uh, and where they're taking that? Because I think this might have been prior to the Gallifrey series, right? Yes, it was from the basis of this. They and then the next one's Agrius that they decided to go with Gallifrey. So I think Lala Ward was just so extraordinary, and they hadn't worked out how good she was to work with. And then once they then brought Louise Jamison in to Zagreus, and the two of them just clicked so perfectly. That's when Gary came up with the idea, we can do a whole series, which is why Gallifrey. But yeah, you can see, and you can see with Van Sell too, he's the early, having killed him off, they needed to introduce a similar character to him, which is what they did in the Gallifrey series uh, as well. Um, I think the CIA, which started off as a joke, the Deadly Assassin, here becomes actually quite a formidable, terrifying force. And I, I guess the fact that you assume the Roman is in control and during the course of the story, you realize she's not. That in fact, Van Sell has his own plans, and he's so willing to depose her. And the, although later on, it's clear he becomes infected by the anti-time, at the start, he's not. He's actually making choices in terms of his own power play, his own power games. So, yeah, it's an interesting take. And, you know, with the current CIA that is real, you do kind of wonder where are the power lines drawn between president and power. I do love the, um, those, those Gallifrey stories. And I think this, you know, this does set set up some of the um, some of that action that we get later on. Um, yeah, you know, we we the, I forget how many box sets there were of Gallifrey, but it was sort of six or seven, wasn't it? And 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 all of them uh, with something new to say. Um, but here, I think, you know, with 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 the with the oubliette and and with some of the machinations that are going on, we you know we can see that. You know, Alan Barnes has got the idea. It's, you know, it's not just um, harmless tinkering. That, that you know, there's actual time lords being wiped from from history. So there's there's some pretty you know serious um, internecine stuff as uh, as well as interfering with other civilizations. It actually, the the cover actually of the CD is actually quite stark because all those shadows are representing all the dead um, Gallifreyans mm. and just. It's a, it's a very stark image of the war-torn land in some ways of how many people have died. 
how many people are actually on this planet who've been just disappeared. It's a very bleak concept, the whole, you, know, you displease us for some reason, getting drunk and saying more than you should to someone, and suddenly you're taken out of all time. So, yeah, Alan Barnes had a lot of fun with his bleakness. One interesting cast choice, and I cannot remember from Dalek Empire, because I know the, the Dalek Emperor was in Dalek Empire, but in Neverland, he's not voiced by Nick Briggs, uh, which I think is very interesting and, dare I say, refreshing. I had to go look up to see who it was because the Dalek Emperor started speaking and I went, that's not right. <laughs> um, <laughs> my ears is so true now to Nick that I immediately realized, and I actually went to the cast, that's when I went to the cast list to see who was in it because it wasn't Nick. And Alistair Locke does lots of different things. Now, <clears throat> he's um, mm. Zen and Orak in Black 7, right? Yeah. So, um, and, and many, many other things as well. I think he was involved. I, I did a show recently on Caldor City, and I think Alistair Locke was involved with that, with the sound design on that. So, um, yeah, he's been involved a lot throughout the years with, uh, with audio. I'm, I'm assuming Nick probably just wasn't available on the day. Oh, yes, because he didn't direct this one. No, he only directed one of the season. Um, he probably just wasn't available. And so Alistair was actually running. I did a bit, of, a little bit of reading up because it actually was 18 months after it was recorded, came out. But Alistair Locke, who was doing the sound design, left it too late, apparently. So that two months before it was due, it still wasn't anywhere near ready because Alistair was supposed to be doing the music as well. And that's why Nick was brought into the music. And every episode, because it's... Um, it's really long. I think it's an hour. Uh, it's 144 minutes rather than 120. And that's after they cut out. No, they cut out two cliffhangers. They cut out the music for two cliffhangers. They had to cut scenes. So the whole thing is just really very, very long, which I guess partly gives it that epic scale. Um, but Alistair Locke had just left it so late. And I think it was probably just too late to put Nick in to do the voices. And he just had to do them himself. I'm not sure. I'd be curious to ask Nick what happened there. And also, this is the third appearance of uh, Don Warrington uh, in the season, because I think he appeared in Seasons of Fear, and he also had some cameos in Time of the Daleks as well. Um, he's, he's, he, had a, he had quite a major role in an episode in Season 2, didn't he, with the rise of the Cybermen? He was the President of Pre Earth. Of president or, of Earth? President of England. Oh, president of England, yeah, that's president right. Of England, that's right. Um, so, yeah, I would have liked to have seen him back as Rassilon because I really, really like him as uh, Rassilon. He's got such a beautiful voice to listen to on audio. What are your thoughts on that? I, I think he's, he's Rassilon of the Shadows slightly as well. I mean, particularly in this, you know, it, it's not a... You know, it's not the old King Cole from the Five Doctors, but it not, you know, neither is it um, the thing we've seen in the new series either, where very flashy and flamboyant and out front. He's, he's very much sort of at the edges of what's going on, but directing it. And, and I, th I think for me, that works better. He would appear again. I'm pretty sure he did both the careers and then he's again later in one of the careers episodes. I haven't checked hmm. it up, but he does, he does appear again a couple more times. Um, yeah. He's the, in the two seasons later, I think when they wrap up the divergent universe, universe. Arc, he's, he's back but, in the next life. Yeah, that's right. And he's once again, that, that amazing voice. And, it's both mm. sinister and refreshing, and you're never quite sure where you stand. <laughs> He's, he, yeah. he plays it quite enigmatically, which I think works really well. Yeah, absolutely. I love that we've got so many Rassilons in the 
Doctor Who universe. We're getting masters all over the place, and now we're getting doctors all over the place. Um, I, I, I love that every time we see Rassilon or an incarnation of Rassilon, there's no explanation, and I, I, I think that uh, that's something that the Doctor should always have too. I don't know. That's just my thoughts on that. But um, yeah, Don Warrington, fantastic as Rassilon. Um, was there anything else that uh, I missed from Neverland that you wanted to bring up, Richard? I think uh, I think we've probably talked about you know most of the stuff from the story itself. I mean, I, th- I think what I wanted to, to talk about um, primarily is that you know at, at the time when uh, the series was announced that it was coming back, it was sort of late two thousand and three, wasn't it? That when the new series was announced, yeah. And at that stage, we still hadn't had Segrea. So Neverland was the most recent um, Paul McGann at that point, and, and, and effectively you know, the most recent new episode, if, if you saw Big Finish as taking the series forward. Um, and it seemed to me when they when they made that announcement that um, that Paul McGann and, and India Fisher had done a 20-episode a, a audition, or, or, or a 10-story um, a anyway, a audition for... Um, for this new series and you know i'd have been quite interested to see them take it forward now i mean clearly that wasn't rtd's model for what he wanted to see in this in the series he uh, he had a very different um uh, view uh, you know we had we had rose who was much more down to earth than the figure of charlie and and although of course mcgann is is famously a scouser the way he played it was more kind of owing to Rada and um eccleston was you know very much drawing on his manchester roots but but i think you know, it, it would have been interesting. I mean, perhaps it wouldn't have had the same public appeal. Perhaps it wouldn't have, have caught on. But it would have been interesting to see what we could have done with a with a, with a TV version of this, um, because because I think that that relationship between um, McGann's Doctor and and and, and Charlie is uh, you know one of one of the best um, Doctor companion things that we got, and and it, and it certainly. You know, showed a way forward for a different sort of of, of um, doctor companion relationship that you know was was to some extent picked up in the new series. Um, I've got one actually got one other thought, but I'll, I'll I, we should let um, Philip um, jump in with some some uh, some of his thoughts about the story. Um, one of the things I think that stands out for me with this episode too is <laughs> due to accidental reasons they didn't have the second the middle cliffhangers, and so they just became one disc stories. And I think that actually mm. showed a level of excitement and storytelling that they picked up on. And so pretty soon, Paul mm. McGann wasn't going to have four episode stories anymore. They are going to just go to the, to the box sets and the, the single disc stories. And I think that this sort of paved the way to show that could work successfully. So I think up until now, Big Finish was copying the four-story model that Doctor Who had classically always used. This is the start of actually them saying, you know what? Storytelling can be longer story, no cliffhanger. And a lot of their shows, episodes, so Gallifrey was going to follow that model. Bernice was going to start following that, or the Bernice, Bernice stories were going to start following that model. So it just became the norm. And even now, the box sets are all single stories. I think they engage the mm. audience better, and they just flow better. And I, I wasn't, I was kind of waiting, because I'd forgotten the fact that they didn't have four episodes this story. And so I was kind of waiting for the cliffhanger. But the fact that it didn't yes. come actually drove the story, I think, better. So that's just one of my observations and one of the things I enjoyed about this this particular disc. Oh, it, it did have um, 
two cliffhangers though. It had one at the halfway point and then one right at the end, um, mm. which was an interesting, a really interesting cliffhanger. And I can still remember the first time I heard this story and that cliffhanger at the end. It just it it sent shivers up my spine. It was it was built up that well and that good that I just could not wait for Zagreus. Of course, we had to wait for a long, a long time. time. <laughs> and um, I'm one of the ones who, when, when I heard Zagreus, um, I was a little confused, but I ultimately really enjoyed it. Um, I think it was... Uh, the reason they took Zagreus in the direction they did was to try and do a multi-doctor story totally different to however it had been done before. And I think it was... I think it was done really well. So gets gets a lot of stick for, you know, being this big build up with Neverland and then Zagreus a bit of a letdown. But um, I'm I'm I still really get excited with with uh, listening to Zagreus as well. So the, the, um, the exciting thing about this whole big finish period is it keeps taking risks, and they don't always pay off. And so sometimes you do end up with a story you go, "Ooh, that didn't work," but you can't blame them for trying something. And you know, Zagreus was. A big trial. I mean, Gary. I think. I think he wanted to really just show what amazing actors he had by giving them different sorts of material. It's sort of the big finish originals first, first up. Um, and so I think that the choice he made, as that people will disagree whether it worked or not, but it was a it was a great risk he was doing. And I love the fact that the show, the big finish, kept taking risk after risk with what they were doing in this early stages. They really weren't playing it safe. They were seeing how far could you push the envelope. Because one of the scary thoughts for me at the time was, oh no, the new series is coming back. I loved Big Finish so much by that stage. I didn't. I I thought there was a possibility it might go, uh, and be over and be swamped by the TV series. But uh, I'm what so sorry. I think they thought that too. They were. Did worried. they? Yeah. They were worried they were going to go. And it very nearly happened as well, as far as I understand. I mean, I think they lost a lot of um, subscribers in that period, but uh, but they, they just managed to, to keep going. Yeah, yeah, very good. What was the other thought that you had, Richard, that you wanted to bring up? Yeah, it was it was just that I, that I wondered if Alan Barnes should be asking Stephen Moffat for some royalties, because uh, um, I was thinking about Hellbent. It, it seems like, to me, like it has an awful lot of, of similar themes you've got you know the doctor plucking a companion out of um out of time out, um you know saving her from from dying um and 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 then there's there's a contradiction in time and people are after him you know because of that you've got um Rassilon in a story you've got Gallifrey it's the end of season arc it just it, you know it feels i mean I'm, i i think this is this is rather a better story in my view than hellbent but it just feels like it, it, i don't know may, maybe people picked this up at the time but I, as i was watching listening to this again i suddenly thought gosh you know the, 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 it's rather um rather a familiar story now i've i've picked up lots and lots of similarities between stories on the on the tv so even the relationship between the 13th doctor and and graham you know we've got an older companion, which I think is fantastic. And yes. It's great to see it on TV. Yeah, yeah. Big Finish did it first with with Six Doctor and Evelyn. So um, yeah, lots of lots of things that Big Finish have done, and yeah, it's 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 interesting that at the, as the license holder, Big Finish can always be vetoed by the BBC. But I think maybe sometimes the BBC goes, "Oh, that's a good idea. We might rework that and and try this in a different way." That that could possibly happen from time to time. 
All right, can we um, can we have a look at some um, some feedback that I managed to get from uh, Facebook? Um, we'll have a look that have a look at that now. Max Keim, I think it's pronounced. Hopefully, Neverland is absolutely great and an amazing intro episode for the Zagreus storyline. In my opinion, Neverland and Zagreus need each other to truly work as the final to the Web of Time arc. Neverland introduces some great concepts and really knows what to do with it. And the last few minutes are truly chilling. I loved every second of it. Thanks, Max. Frank Jason Roden said it was so good that it put Gary completely behind the eight ball. There was no way, especially after a year and a half of anticipation, that the anniversary release was ever going to be anything but an anticlimax. Interesting thoughts, Frank. Thank you. From Heidi Mickelson Nyman, uh, I think it was interesting. I'd love to give feedback to every episode ever had the time. Currently listening my way through all the works I can get hold of with the Eighth Doctor. Can't go too wrong with that. And I think no. uh, I think I still think uh, Big Finish monthlies one to 50 is still available for free on spotify so you can listen to all those there both both first seasons of mcgann are up there uh stephen swinburne says big finish peaked here i had oh sorry it had jeopardy because it was never clear how much paul mcgann liked us and with this his contract was up it felt like this could have been the end and what an end it would have been great story and he put spoilers paul mcgann came back and I really hope after all this time that he now quite likes us and the role. Does anybody know how his opinion has changed over the years? Well, having seen Paul McGann in Australia, I think uh, I think uh, he's still quite happy doing what he's doing. As the Eighth Doctor, I think he loves it. All right. There, there was a lovely interview that, uh, that Paul McGann did. I think it was released by Big Finish. Um, where you sort of hear his Liverpool accent coming through rather more strongly, um, and he, he very much described how how he'd, um, he'd he'd sort of been very unclear about whether it was something he wanted to do at the start, but he'd really fallen in love with Big Finish over the time. Yeah, it, it's a funny thing. Everyone seems to fall in love with Big Finish. I don't know. They they must have that little magic there that um, mm. that even Tom Baker they got him in the end. They always <laughs> said they wouldn't, but yeah. uh, but they'd got him in the end. They get on your neck. They want to keep coming back, don't they? <laughs> That's it. So Tony Tony Blacklock said one of the most emotional pieces of Doctor Who I've ever experienced. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, me too. Um, who was next? Oh, you're next, Richard. Yeah. So Gil Pascal. In all honesty, it blew me away. One of Big Finish's best. Abby Chambers says I love it. Charlie is one of my favourite Big Finish companions. I agree. Daniel Kennedy says, one of my favourites. It was this story that got me hooked on Big Finish. Andrew Gibbons, one of my favourites. I preferred this to Zagreus. And Robert Evans says, hell of a cliffhanger ending. And uh, it seems to be across the board that um, that this is universally loved. It's, it's one of the best. However, whenever people say what should i listen to from big finish they always say chimes of midnight spare parts i think neverland's a bit overlooked but the consensus consensus seems to be that everyone loves it indeed i mean it's an amazing series because i mean as you said chimes of midnight is in this year yeah. um, there's neverland there's spare parts 
Um, yeah, Invaders of, Invaders of Mars, which I think is totally underrated. I think it's one of the funniest big finishes that they have ever done. I laugh. I think, I think it's very overlooked. Uh, it's a fantastic comedy. It's great. Yeah, really, Mark, really. Good. Mark Gaddis is just amazing to have running that, and it is. Yeah, it, I laugh all the way through it. And I don't think people get all the humour. I think that's. I think that's why it's overlooked. So yeah, I, th- I think you're right. I think this was one of the one of the great years for Big Finish, as you say. Spare parts uh, followed this quite um, soon after, and uh, uh, you know that was uh, uh, a loved one for for good reason. Very good. Well, on that note, um, I'd want to say thank you very much to uh, to Philip for coming on for the first time, and uh, also to to Richard from Something Who. How can we uh, look you up on the internet, Thingamajiggy? Well, I'm delighted to say that if you stick the two words something and who into a, a search engine, it does um, find us quite easily. So, so that's one thing you could do. Um, our, uh, our podcast is on uh, Podbean Post, so if you go somethingwho.podbean.com, you find us that way as well. And I absolutely wouldn't um, recommend that you start with episode one and, and continue on this because we're not that kind of podcast. Uh, I think if you if you pick um, a story that you like um, that we've talked about, or if, if if you pick maybe one of the um, people that we've spoken to that that interest you, then and get in that way, and then you know you, you you can do what you like afterwards. But you know, rather like Big Finish, the more um, episodes you do as a podcast, the, the more impossible it is to catch up on everything. And I, uh, uh, I I wouldn't put yourself through that. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, I, I, I would definitely recommend the Jeremy Bentham and Chris Chapman interviews. They were fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. And if you want to if you want to have a bit of a chuckle at a sketch, every uh, episode at the intro, you do a sketch, don't you? Are you the, are you the head writer for those sketches, Richard? Yeah, I, ironically, because, of course, Paul Morris is is a uh, um, a writer. And actually, I mean, Giles is a, is a writer of um, uh, astronomical and, and sort of physics books. Uh, Paul is is a, a writer of plays, but it's always been a thing that I wanted to do was 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 write comedy. So it's my little uh, uh, opportunity for that. I, I meant to get you to write us a, uh, a sketch for today, but uh, I, I ran out of time throughout the week. But maybe next time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd be very happy to come back. Sure. <laughs> All right. Thanks very much, guys. Really appreciate it. We'll catch you next time on the Sirens of Audio.